Welcome to I Fucking Love This Record, a music podcast hosted by me, the Derek Careview. Every week, a guest and I will be discussing an album that we both fucking love. We're going to find out how the record or band entered our lives. We're going to do some track-by-track observations and, of course, any other thoughts that come our way. Warning, these are conversations held by adults, and sometimes bad words will appear unedited. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Today we're going to be talking about In Our Nature, the second album by Swedish singer-songwriter Jose Gonzalez. It was released on the 24th of September, 2007, on Peace Frog Records in the UK and Imperial Recordings in Sweden. It was later released on the 25th of September, 2007, by Mute Records in the United States. Accompanying me today is music aficionado, band director, and karaoke rock star, Dr. Big Bad Sean Murray. Doctor, educate the folks about yourself. Hey, uh, yeah, coming to you from the uh, great state of Alabama here, Birmingham, Alabama, and um, sitting in my kitchen, uh, ready to talk some music here with you. Let's go ahead and get started with that. So first thing I want to talk about here is how this album entered my life. And this one I discovered through a cover version of Down the Line. My love for all things Greg Dooley is not a secret. And he had done a live album called Live at Triple Door, a solo thing that I think was done for a charity. He had included the song, his version of uh, Down the Line on, I'm going to date myself a little bit here, on his MySpace page. (laughs) Nice. And I loved it. I just couldn't get enough of it, but there was no version that was available for for download or that you could, let's say, put on some type of a media player. Uh, So I would just listen to it on repeat, but I realized, found out it was a cover, and so I sought out the original. And while Dooley's is like a big expansive thing this is the you know the original was uh well it is what it is we'll get to it when we get there but i fell in love with that version as well mainly because i could listen to it outside of my bedroom so that was right. the nice part <laughs> exactly nice and uh, and so i ended up really i i'm enjoying the entire album so it wasn't just a one song wonder for me so sean how about you how did this album enter your life you know, I was just thinking about this when we're, you know, we're approaching this. And really for me, this was like one of those things that was kind of on my radar when it released this actual album, because uh, I'd heard his, you know, first album in what, 2003 Veneer. And then he put out, well, and I love Veneer, first of all, it just has some classic tracks by him. And then he put out an EP in 2004, Stay in the Shade, which is basically kind of like a second release because it's like eight tracks. It's not, I don't think if it's an EP, it's long enough to be like a full album. And so when this was getting ready to release, I thought, okay, well, here we go. Now we got, you know, what he's calling his second studio release. And so, yeah, I was, you know, kind of excited. And so when it released, I was, it was, you know, ready to go to hear it and buy it. And again, a lot of solid tracks on this one as well. So. I, I went back later and listened to Veneer. And I listened to most of this stuff, and there's Veneer's great. This one just gotcha. is, this is the hook for me. So that's why we went with this one here. We're going to move on to our track by track analysis, and starting with the different types of openers. Uh, something I've been playing around with doing the analysis of these albums. The ones that I've come up with are the call to action, just meant to announce the album's arrival or like it was written to be played at the beginning of the show. Uh, This can also be known, uh, unfortunately, as the only good song on the album. There's the teaser, which doesn't really sound like the rest of the album. It's usually very short and it's a little bit of a, hey, look this way, and then the album goes completely in the opposite direction. There's the setup, which doesn't sound radically different from what the rest of the album will give you, but it's all about setting up song two, which is hopefully going to be the one that just sort of punches you in the face and gets things going. And then there's the blueprints, which gives you an overview of what to expect from the album. 
that's uh, where you're going to see like the themes and the sounds, etc. cetera. Uh, sometimes a blueprint is just song one, uh, but other times it feels like a slightly pumped up version of what you're about to hear. So we're going to go ahead and start with the track by track, track one, How Low. For me, I think this is a, a blueprint opener. Uh, it really sets the stage for what's going to happen in this album. Fortunately, as we mentioned, Sean does actually know how to play music, <laughs> how to play music and not just listen to it. So you may be able to help me with some of my idiot phrasing <laughs> when I'm talking about music things here. Uh, so this one opens up with this kind of a, a thrumming at the low end of the guitar. It almost yeah. sounds like he's playing a bass. And then the, the vocals are pretty warm and are at what ends up being at the deeper end of his register. So uh, for the most of the album, he sings at a slightly higher register than he does on this one. It's just, you know, it's singer-songwriter stuff. For the most part, this album sounds like it's just him and a guitar, uh, maybe a, a couple of different guitars tracked. There's the occasional, like, very subtle percussion sometimes a little bit of instrumentation there's probably more going on there than i actually yeah. hear but that's what i hear you can hear just like a little bit of a click track in this one that's the entire percussion it sounds like somebody maybe tapping their foot <laughs> it might be just him like tapping the guitar i mean who you know it's, it's hard to know unless you like look at the track by track like listing in terms of credits or something like that in terms of instrumental i stuff. was listening to all this through spotify and so i wasn't able to find a lot of information and there's not even a lot of information on track by track information let's say on on wikipedia or something so i'm sure if you yeah, have the, yeah, the sure. booklet in front of you but so that's just what i hear is basically him playing playing a guitar almost like it's a bass like the slightly deeper vocals uh, and this just tap in the background. And it has that, sets it up so it feels familiar, but somehow different. It's like he's not really reinventing the wheel. It's singer-songwriter stuff, but just somehow you feel like you're in a different world with this one. I really like this song. I love how this song opens. I love how it really sets the table for what you're going to hear on this record. Honestly, for me, this is my favorite track on the whole album. Okay. And so you're talking about it as a setup. And and I agree, this is a setup in a lot of ways. Um, like you said, he starts off and, and you know, a lot of his, uh, what, you know, a lot of what his music is, is where he's just kind of got like, he's using that kind of classic guitar, you know, loop where he's, he's got something on a loop, you know? So he's like, like you said, you know, he's pegging out these like low Fs and E flats on the guitar, which, you know, it's just, you know, which is just, you know, pegging that the bottom string there. And of course it sets up. Up, I think, not, like you said, in the in terms of his register, you know, he's singing low. The tune's called "How Low." It's kind of he's down on the low end of the guitar like that. Um, so it sets up just like just a cool vibe to start. And again, if, you know, if you're listening to it on a good pair of headphones or on a nice stereo, that thing comes through. I mean, it's real clear. You know? Yeah. And like I said, for me, it's the the favorite album. I think it works in two ways. First is that it's. I think it's kind of like setting you up, like you said, to a certain degree in that, hey, this album is going to be like some of the other stuff that we've put out already, like veneer and, and you know, what you get off Stay in the Shade. And I think this is important um, just because like his he had done a side project before this album with a, a, a group called Junup. You ever heard Junup? I have. They sound, they sound a lot like The Doors to me. <laughs> yeah. And and again, it's still him and there's still aspects of him on that. Um, but again, it's a more fleshed out band. It's, you know, it's it's a it's a bigger sound altogether. So I think there was a lot of maybe questions when this came out as if that was this album gonna be like that. Was he gonna move in a new direction away from the, you know, primarily acoustic sound to, you know, something that was a little bit bigger. So I think if nothing else, this sets up like, hey, it's okay. This is exactly the stuff that you've come to like. And again, you know, he's, he's such an accomplished, you know, guitarist from a classical standpoint uh, in that he doesn't, you know, he's not, he does he barely ever just strums chords. And so, and again, so it's a great opener. And again, I, I love it more than anything else on the album. 
which is you know saying something. And I can see why it is not my favorite, but is definitely yeah. up there. It's very high. Which then brings us to track two down the line. You know, this is and just going back to what we were just saying down the line. You know, it's an interesting song in that it's a rarity for him because it's one of the few that he actually strums more than he finger picks on. You know what I mean? You come to know this thing where it's kind of a repeated pattern that he's like picking out on the guitar. And that's kind of very part of what his sound is. And on this one, when you listen to it again, it's it's a lot more strumming. It's got a different feel because of that. You know, very basic lyrics. It, it doesn't, it's not verse upon verse. It's, you know, it's very simple. There's not a lot goes into it. But again, sets a really cool vibe. It's a nice follow-up to the opener. Just a unique sound to it in the way that he's, you know, chosen to play it, especially considering some of his other music. And it really does set up how different I mean, it's it's the same guy. It's the same guy doing a lot of the same things, but sounds so different from track one without completely abandoning the sound. Mm-hmm. And man, I love this song. This this was the gateway for me and one that still can get a lot of play for me. Yeah. Unlike the first one, where more like the, the high end of the guitar yeah. and, and it's a little more choppy as opposed to the kind of looping quality you normally get from him. He sings at a higher register. Uh, and I would say he sings at his normal register. Yeah, his normal, definitely. And it still has that otherworldly feel to it. It's like you, I think the thing that I like about this album is that you just sort of, it feels like you're walking into a different world. Even yeah. when it's not great, you're there. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of just enveloped you. And I know the lyrics are, are fairly simple, but man, the lyrics just, they kill me. That's what, that's what does it. I don't talk about right. lyrics a lot. I love the lyrics in this one. I even had, I had Greg Dooley sign because he was in Prague doing a solo tour. And so I bought the poster from the show and it was one of those, I was feeling a little bit down and I asked him to sign, don't let the darkness eat you up on the poster sweet even though those are not his words those are jose gonzalez's words and i'm like i know i would normally not ask you to sign somebody else's words but will you do this he goes yeah man and had no because he clearly loves this song as well so he ended up uh so he has it on the live one but i think it was eventually actually recorded by the gutter twins so the project he did with mark lanagan yeah this is one especially if i'm feeling a little bit blue this one will go on in a second. I love this song. <laughs> nice. I'm going to have to check it out. I've not heard this cover by Dooley, so I'm going to definitely have to check it out post this because uh, I'm always up for a good cover song. Yeah, and he takes a really different approach. So how Gonzalez, as we'll talk about a little bit later, really strips down a different band song. Yeah. Dooley builds this one up, but it still has the, the, the punch to it. So if you either check out his live version on, okay. it's like Live at Triple Door, I think it's called. But the studio version that he does with Mark Lanigan is really great. Awesome. Which brings us to track three, Killing for Love. For me, that's always a trick on an album. The song that follows, my favorite song on the album, right. generally suffers by comparison. It's difficult to follow up an all-timer. But this one, I think, manages to do it. And this is one of the reasons where, like, that's why I love this record. How Low is such a strong opener. Down the Line is really a, an all-timer for me. And then Killing for Love, it's like, if this one lets lets it down too much, right. I, maybe I just give up on this album uh, right away. Man, this is a great tune. And it's, it's up-tempo, at least in the context of the record <laughs> no, yeah absolutely it's not going on anybody's dance mix or anything no not not a lot of what he's got to say is on anyone's dance mix though. and really I, I i like this one i don't have a ton to say about it so it's what got me to listen to the rest of the record let's say 
yeah, usually, you know, like like I said, you, you start waning into three, four, five on, on an, an album and you're not quite sure what you're going to get because sometimes they'll put some of the more here or there tunes, you know, on any album. But this one just, again, follows up. I mean, the third strong song in this album. If you've been waiting for this album and, and you know, you're, you're hoping for more of the same of great guitar work and fantastic lyrics, I mean, you continue to get that on this track i think more than anything it's you know the lyrics are, are brief and they you know they repeat more than anything it, with his stuff i think anyways you get some there's some melancholy lyrics there and, I, and you know, like you said i'm not a big lyric guy i'm a music guy I, I i'm about what the sounds you know song sounds like and so for me sometimes i don't even know what the lyrics Same are here. i'm like that's got a great vibe to it you know and some people like you said and, and i think maybe we've talked about this before i mean in the end I could care about the lyrics half the time. I'm I'm really down. Usually I don't even know. Some people really love that and are, you know, right into it. Not for me. And this again has another great vibe to it. Um, again, the lyrics are very melancholy. He's he's kind of accusatory in terms of some of the stuff he's talking about. Uh, just another great, you know, song here as we continue to dive deeper into the album. Yeah, fantastic tune for me. And again, I can see where you're talking about, you know, it's a follow-up to down the line. That definitely it's it's hard to, you know, come back from a great song like and that. And then that brings us into track four, the title track in our nature. How do you feel about this one? Okay. This is my least favorite track on the album. Oh, okay. Me too. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad we can agree on that because I got the, I get to this and I go, man. In our nature, you know, and and who knows the stories behind why, you know, certain artists choose, you know, certain titles for their albums. A lot of times, though, it, you know, usually is a track that is going to be a commercial success or something. So there's like some name recognition. And if you're looking for the song, you know, the album maybe is, you know, called the same thing. And, and next thing you know, you're, you know, you're buying. Right. Here we get to In Our Nature. It is the most repetitive lyrically melodically harmonically it goes and it starts and you're like, OK, I'm In Our Nature. And he says it again. And then he never goes anywhere with it. It doesn't go to a bridge. It doesn't go to some B section. It just stays there the whole time. And I feel the same way because it starts off. It's got like that a little bit of a shuffle feeling to it. Yeah. I'm like, okay. And it's like a different thing. Like you said, he really takes a different approach to the guitar on down the line. Whereas track one and maybe track three are a little closer to what he does on, on a regular basis. And it's like, okay, so he's coming in with some different instrumentation. And yeah. It's like, yeah, by the way, that's it. <laughs> I, I hope you weren't expecting anything else. It's super repetitive i think a low point on the album i made a joke in a previous podcast that if your favorite song on the album is like track nine out of ten the yeah. band disagrees with you <laughs> and i also feel the same way if my least favorite song is the title track but here we are and it's not just me i'm glad so yeah because usually you, you want a song that's at least mm -hmm. representative if not the big hit that it's at least representative yeah. of the sound and that said you should have called this album how low yeah i mean exactly how i mean it'd be like thriller not being called thriller yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah i i got to, you get to this and you're you know you're like oh hey title track boom and then two minutes and 43 seconds later you're like what <laughs> and especially after like this opening one two three which mm -hmm. are so great and then you're thinking all right track four title track this is gonna just blow the lid off this joint yeah clean up hit yeah. <laughs> And uh, let's go ahead and move on to track five, Teardrop, which is a Massive Attack cover. Mm. It's fun to hear covers that come from different genres and yet still work so well, which I think says a lot about the construction of the song as a whole. Obviously, Massive Attack was known you know, for that Bristol sound for the trip hop, let's say, even though I'm sure they, they hate that more than anything sure, in the world. Yeah. But, but even though this is completely stripped down, 
it's you know him and a guitar i think there's a little bit of instrumentation in this one you instantly know what song it is that you're listening to it doesn't sound radically different while at the same time sounding radically different it's i think fantastic he just finds a way inside the song that he doesn't change the fundamental nature of it and i love the massive attack version and i love this version this is just for me is a is a really strong track in, to make your point, you know, Massive Attack and that kind of electronic sound and, you know, in that genre, I, I think it lends itself initially very well to like what he does as a guitarist because it is so repetitive and it's kind of got slight variations and there's layers, etc. And that's kind of what he does in terms of his playing. Great cover of the Massive Attack hit. You know, if you're at all a fan of the show House or anything like that, you can't, you know, help but suddenly be, oh, hey, that's that song. Even if you don't know exactly what it is, it's got great chord progressions. That electronic type sound really lends itself. And if you go back, and this is why I say this, is that if you go back to Vernier, he had covered The Knife, comes off of that. Another electronic artist where it kind of very well, you know, lends itself to the type of playing that he does. And so, yeah, here you are with another great cover, a success, especially coming off of In Our Nature. So, great to come back with some strength here on the album. Definitely. Uh, which then moves us on to track six, Abram, shortest track on the album. What do you got for me on this one? Honestly, you know, I again, very interesting. It's it's the most story-driven lyrics of anything that's on here, you know, because he's actually telling a story. You know, I'd read somewhere that it was based on the book The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins, which I've never read. I, and maybe that's what lends itself to being more um, story or have a little bit more substance lyric-wise. It's a, it's not a bad song. I like it. It's, it's it's short. It's quick. just sets itself apart in terms of, you know, from a lyrical standpoint, I think, for me. And for me, it starts with almost a, a beetle-ish sound. Uh, yeah. It's almost like Blackbird. You could almost hear just just almost there, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't think he's trying to ape it or anything. He's not going in that direction. And it certainly doesn't go in a beetle direction no. uh, once it gets started. But just that instant at the at the beginning i'm kind of glad this one's short it's not as interesting to me as as a lot of the other songs on the album right. i'm really glad that it didn't follow in our nature because if it would have been these two back to back yeah uh you know i don't know if i would have made it to teardrop <laughs> if they no. flip them there yeah so it's like, oh, okay it's again not a bad song that's not making any mix mixtapes for me yeah, I got you. Which then brings us to track seven, Time to Send Someone Away. And this is like just the faintest hint of percussion. Yeah. Uh, with some, some very subtle hand claps going on there. And this one, at least at the very beginning, has a little bit of a bounce to it. And it's almost poppy at the start. But then he ends up singing this in a very stark way. His vocals are, are not as as low and warm as you get on how low or it's not at his normal register he's doing something i can't quite put into words but i just like his vocals are a lot more stark and i think that takes away from a bit of the poppiness mm -hmm. i want to say that somebody remixed this one and so it's got like the hand claps are, are are much more up in the mix and throughout and i think they put some electronics behind it and turned it into a real pop song almost but i forgot to check out if I could find that before we did the podcast. So anyway, I really like this tune. This is one, one another one of my favorites. And uh, I think shows just a, a slightly different approach to what he does on a lot of the rest of the album. Yeah, and I think honestly, you know, I think that this was is one of the instances where it was inspired a little bit by the, you know, that previous project with June Up, you know, where you get a little bit more of this pop sound. Um, again, it's a little bit more fleshed out in terms of instrumentation, even though, I mean, for him, that means hand claps, you know, and, and maybe some minor percussion. I think one of the things that is, and I do like this song 
a, a great deal as well. The thing with him is, is that it, there's nothing, you know, as you listen through almost all of these first three albums he's put out there, I mean, it's always pretty much in the, a certain lane, you know, you're going to get, you know, this certain, however he decides to voice out the, the accompaniment. And then, you know, just the kind of the, he's got a certain quality to his voice, you know, that lends itself, especially when he's up in the high register, which you'd said earlier is more kind of where he lives a little bit. Another solid addition, um, but I think definitely influenced by some of his projects. And, and then, you know, like I said, the mix, you definitely hear those hand claps and it's noticeable because up until now and anything else you've heard, you you heard very little of that. So uh, definitely kind of a nice variation here late in the album. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's uh, like you said, he, he kind of has a very specific approach to what he's doing and finding little variations on that i think keeps the album interesting especially on the second side which does drag just a little bit yeah Uh, yeah it it does get a bit much so uh on to track eight the nest what do you think here this one's kind of again got a a little bit of a i don't know if you want to call it a story or an allegory or whatever you want you know what i mean but it's definitely got some poignant lyrics in terms of what it's talking about you know about you know building walls and the walls becoming a prison instead of a refuge and it's uh kind of got a different vibe to it to your point like you'd said this backside of the album takes a bit of a downslope in terms of something new to hear or something that's you know definitely catches your ears so much especially in this these tracks you know between six seven eight and even nine on this album where you kind of go well it's, it's more of the same but there's nothing that really sets it apart so much and again the nest is one of those tunes for me it's, it's great to listen to but ultimately nothing super special on it yeah I think it's a, a decent tune and it's one of the few that has obvious synthesizer on it. I'm sure there's synths a little bit throughout that aren't mm-hmm. quite as noticeable to sweeten it up just a little bit. Like you said, some of the things he does with loops, but I think this is the first one you can hear the synthesizer as an instrument. Yeah. But I, I feel the same way because when I set up the document to keep notes and the first two times I listened to the album, I realized I made zero notes for the nest. <laughs> like, I need to find something to say about this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so it was tough because it, it's ultimately a decent tune. And I found that by the third or fourth kind of concentrated listen, they said you do start to pick out a little bit uh, more things that this one does that you maybe you don't get on the rest of it. That brings us into track nine, Fold. Uh, and then again, other than just really the slightest hint of percussion, I don't have a lot to say about this one. It's just the second half. And for me, it's just like, you know, a little bit of six and then eight, nine, just not a, a ton to hold on to. They're not bad songs by any stretch. They're just, there's nothing there that really separates them from the greatness of the first half. Yeah, and to and to my detriment, the same thing. I like you said on the last one. This is one where I listened a couple times and I literally wrote nothing down for it. And and I thought, well, it says something in and of itself. In that you know, it's it's there and it's a song and you're listening to it and and, and it's over and fantastic. It, it's also a bit of a long tune. Clocks in almost three minutes for it to be that long and still kind of walking away where you don't necessarily feel anything particularly one way or another about it. You know, I mean, it have any album's going to have those. You know, some more than others. And um, this is just one for me that just kind of was there and something to listen to but ultimately nothing special or unique feels like a a placeholder it gets you through that point because at no point do i think i need to skip this song it's not like it's a bad song but there's nothing about it that makes me sit up and take notice i think every album most albums have one or two of those it just it's a it's a spot taker i wouldn't say that it's fluff 
And I'll tell you this, and I, and I'll just say this really quick about it. You know, if you had this, let's say you had your, you know, your phone or your your computer on random, and this came up, and you hadn't been listening to Jose Gonzalez all day or something, and this tune came on, I think I'd feel differently about it if it's in the midst of whatever else is coming through on your playlist or a randomized playlist. For this to something, oh hey, this is Jose, and you listen to it, and I think that it maybe has a little bit more weight. But when you're, you know, when you've just listened to the album straight through, and you know, hey, there's so many great songs earlier, this kind of doesn't have the same effect. Sure. Which then brings us to track 10 which was the last track i think initially we we're going to get one more track which is technically a bonus track but yeah. i think you included notes for that one so we'll, we'll we'll do the same so track 10 cycling trivialities what are your thoughts here i think this is a great closeout for the album it's a song that feels more like the stuff that's earlier in the album obviously it's the longest song i mean it's it's, a, it's definitely you know a long song in that respect feels really developed and really fully formed especially compared to the last three tracks that are on the album so you get to it and you go okay beginning middle and an end to it some good work in that respect so definitely um, i think a nice close out to the traditional album when it released obviously on cd and and um and lp it's and i really like how this one builds because it starts off pretty stark like mm-hmm. a lot of his stuff does and then but he really goes somewhere with this one he brings you on a little bit of a journey and when you say it's kind of like it's like more than twice as long than the next longest song. yeah it's over yeah. eight minutes long yeah. yeah so it's just out of nowhere but I didn't quite realize that until I was really looking. I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is eight minutes long. And right. so it's, it sneaks up on you. It doesn't feel like an eight minute long song. He really gets a lot done with the guitar in this one. So yeah. this is one where he just builds and builds and builds. And again, without really being able to see what exactly is happening on the track, if there's other people playing or if there's other things going on, but it just really feels like he, he gets a lot of sound out of that guitar. And I think it comes from more of that, like you say, the classical approach as opposed to a, a typical rock and roll approach yeah. uh, and, and works. And, and this is, uh, a, like I think, a, a terrific way to, to end the album. If we, if we didn't talk, talk track 11, I think I would be fine with that because I think this really, it says what he wants it to say. Is it even ends with a little bit of like tape noise and mm-hmm. just him walking away? But we'll go ahead and go ahead and do track eleven, which is the the bonus track, which is "You're an Animal." For me, the reason why it, this one almost works, I think it works. This is a good song. It plays out like the album began because it's almost like he's playing the guitar like a bass, and this one sure. is at the low end of the register again. Yeah. Not a whole lot going on here lyrically, but with a few exceptions, there's not a whole lot going on lyrically on this album. So that doesn't really detract. Yeah, uh, doesn't detract too much for me. What did you think of this one? Well, like I said, you know, second trivialities makes total sense, and 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 I and I just go back for a second. For me, I'm a sucker for end of album songs. I feel like more bands get that right. I'm definitely a fan of the the down or the extended length i mean i love last tracks on albums and that being said i think that's a great one and and you're an animal you know it's so funny because it is very much a digital release only so you weren't getting it if you bought the cd or anything the thing that i do find funny and kind of researching this out a little bit is it actually has a video which yes (laughs) is so very odd for a a bonus track that doesn't you know that people go it's here or there or a b-side you know and maybe that's what it was was a b-side to one of the singles when this released uh, Mm -hmm. and that's how it became a bonus track i it is i do have a problem with it being after cycling trivialities even though it's marked as a bonus track if you're just listening to it straight through on a digital release you're kind of like oh well you know and then you go online and you realize they did a video for it which i thought was just so bizarre that is kind of weird and you could almost understand if let's say the b-side was teardrop yeah it's like okay you know he did a, a cool cover it was originally a b-side people really glommed onto it and then you go ahead and throw that on the album that i get 
Right. But this fairly, this is a good tune, but uh, I don't think it adds a whole lot to the album other than maybe making it feel like it kind of comes in and goes out in the same way. But for me, Cycling Trivialities really is the end of this album for me, mm-hmm. yeah. which uh, we'll go ahead and bring us on to our final thoughts. Uh, as we mentioned a bunch of times here, I think this the second half of the album lags a little bit, but it really finishes strong with cycling trivialities however the first half built up so much goodwill for me that it really carries it past that draggy second half even when the songs aren't as strong uh this one really feels like it's it's its own world he really builds this world that you enter in when you listen to this record and from the beginning to the end you you know where you are it's not always comfortable it's not always the best place to be but it's where you are and it's it's a flawed album but it's one that I still fucking love. I mean, you're not wrong on that. I'll tell you, more than anything for me, strong in his style. If you're a fan of his music, this does not disappoint at all. It gives you some great songs. Like you said, it's definitely a strong starter falls off a little bit after Teardrop. There's a couple salient points there at the end of the album. But again, you know, I find with a lot of his music and on any of his albums, I kind of like albums like this for him anyways, because if I'm going to put it on, a lot of times it's going to be in the background while I'm doing something else. If you catch Teardrop and it's part of a playlist or some random, then it's even has even more stark contrast. But again, in this album, you, you put it on, you're going to get what you get from him and you're not disappointed with it. Solid entry in terms of his what he does. It's uh, it's if you, you know, if you came expecting something else, uh or something that was more like his side projects, you probably were were very happy to get Jose Gonzalez in, in our nature, essentially. So it's a good album. Thank you so very much for joining me, taking the time out of your day this morning, all the way over there in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm sorry, Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah. I keep, I keep saying it the English way because I have a friend here from there, and he gets mad when I say Birmingham. Is that right? <laughs> we just call, we, we get, you know, and again, I'm not nearly a local. I think I put my application in for being a local because I'm only in my second year living here. We call it the hammer. You know, you get B-ham all the time around here. So, <laughs> so whatever works. Well, we appreciate you joining us and, and using some of your music knowledge to, to make things sound like we know what the hell we're doing around here. We appreciate that. No, this that. is great. I love the, I love the kind of the exercise of, you know, breaking down and talking about what you really like because, you know, you have your thoughts in the head, but ultimately it's, it's nice to hear what other people think and find that you have very similar opinions on a lot of stuff. Thank so. you very much, and we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Thanks, Derek. Thank you for listening to I Fucking Love This Record, now available on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please subscribe, share, and comment. For this and other podcasts, please check out www.lovethisrecord.com, where you can also sign up for our monthly newsletter. If you would like to co-host an episode, write to me at lovethisrecord at gmail.com. Instagram and Twitter, we are lovethisrecord1. Facebook and Pinterest, we are Love This Record. Music at the top and bottom by The Ashes of Grissom. Special thanks to original patron Mark Evers for getting this podcast back on track. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.